Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Good morning, church. Welcome to our gathering today. We're glad that you're with us. We are rolling through some teaching, going verse by verse through the Sermon on the Mount. We'll bounce in and out of this series from time to time, but uh, believe it or not, we're actually in part nine today. Uh, We are all the way up to verse 13. We finished all the Beatitudes and the Blesseds, and uh, we are now rocking and rolling into the next uh, section of the Sermon on the Mount. And Uh, I was talking to one of our uh, high school students this week, and she was telling me that she had been putting uh, this portion of of Matthew to memory, and I thought it would be great if she were to come up and help us this morning uh, to understand kind of where we've come from, from verse 1 to verse 13. So, uh, Gracie Duke, come on up here for a minute, and uh, would you just kind of walk us through where we've been in verses 1 to 13? This is God's word, Matthew chapter 5. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and say falsely all kinds of things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Excellent. Thanks so much, Gracie. (laughs) Thanks for uh, bringing us up to speed with where we are in uh, verse 13. And hopefully, church family, that'll be a good charge and challenge to your own habits of putting some scripture to memory. Jesus is teaching by the side of the Sea of Galilee. He's gone up on the mountain, and he sat down on the rocks, and he's teaching those who believe in him, those who love him, those who've decided to follow him, those who are already convinced that he is who he says he is. And we're so thankful for this part of the scriptures because Jesus is getting down to the nitty-gritty. He's telling us how we are to conduct ourselves, how we are to live in this world as believers of Jesus. So here we are, Matthew chapter 5. Verse 13, today's focus. Jesus looks at the people and he looks at us and he says, You are the salt of the earth. Not you could be salt, not you should work hard to grow into saltiness, but you are, as my followers, the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything, which means there's some value to salt. It is good for something. But if it loses its saltiness, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. 
let's unpack this and figure out what's going on with this idea of salt. First of all, let's talk about what salt is. You may know it as NACL. You may know in 2019 if someone says they're going to get salty, um, that, that means something different. Um, but in the, this idea of the Bible, we're talking about the thing that was usually found in mining. You would have to go under the ground to find salt deposits, or you could dry out seawater and collect some salt crystals. But you could also find it in places that were um, seas that had gone what is called dead, and one of the most famous ones is called the Dead Sea, and a few years ago I had an opportunity to be in Israel, and I uh, wanted to show you a couple of pics here of the Dead Sea if you haven't had a chance to go yet. I hope we'll take a POH trip sometime in the next few years, uh, but this is sort of standing back from the shoreline of the Dead Sea. You can see it was a foggy morning. Uh, you can see off in the distance some of the mountains uh, in the background, but let's look at the next picture uh, come a little bit closer. It's really a resort place. It's where people go to the beach, and it's not an awesome beach. So if you're thinking 30A right now, um, this is not it. Um, this is uh, hard to walk on because it's rocks, and when you get close to the shore, you'll see there are some salt crystals there that you'll be walking on that you will not be happy about. But it is a, a beautiful resort area. Look at the next picture. Um, the water in the area is rich in mineral deposits. And this isn't a person who's been in the tanning salon too long. This is a person who's covered themselves. That's the thing you do when you go to the Dead Sea. You cover yourselves in the mineral-rich mud that's there. They have buckets of it. And then you cover yourself in it, and then you get in the water and wash it all off. It's basically a free spa treatment. Okay, This is what we're talking about here. But you can see people floating out beyond this gentleman. And that's one of the things that you do at the Dead Sea. It's the salinity of the water, the salt content is so high that it increases your buoyancy so much you actually have to work hard to sink in the water and you may think that's crazy but it, it's true and one of the classic things to do if you google this later uh, you will see thousands of people who went to the Dead Sea and have a picture taken of them floating in the water but not sinking and reading a book or reading a newspaper. That's the classic picture people want to take uh, along the way. You can't sink. It's just really hard to sink under the water. But look at the next, the next picture here. It's a gorgeous place. The water's clear. It's beautiful. It, it, it's just a lovely, lovely place. Um, and then you get a little bit closer in, and let's look at the next pic, and you'll see this is what the shore is, where the water ends, all these salt deposits and all these salt crystals. Well, here in the ancient Near East, in these ancient days, in the times of Jesus, this is one of the places where they would have gone to get salt. And salt is a big deal. Salt has a lot of purposes. Salt is one of those things that has been used as currency. I don't know if you knew that. I actually have a little container of salt this morning. And in, in English, it says iodized table salt. Uh, but in Spanish, it says sal Day. And sal is the derivative word uh, in English where it's coming from Latin. And so the Romans used to use it as currency. They used to pay people in salt. And as a matter of fact, sal, Latin, sal for salt is where the word salary comes from. Some of you enjoy one of those. It's also where the word salad comes from. But that's a story from another day. And it, it really is. I promise. 
But it was used as currency. It was used in curing and preserving meats. They would cover it in salt, and the bacteria couldn't get to the meat and, and mess it up. It's used in, in some fertilizing processes, and it's also an aspect of hospitality. One of the translations out of the, the Bible is that someone would go to another person's house, and when it was said they would enjoy their hospitality, they would be saying, that person would share their salt with me. Salt was a big deal. It was a big deal of, of, of sharing a, a, an important possession with other people. We've known it to be a cleansing agent. It has antiseptic properties. And we also know um, that it creates amazing flavor. Anybody else a big fan of salt as a good piece of flavor? And if you're not sure if salt adds flavor, try to eat some unsalted popcorn soon. And you will discover it, it, you're just chewing on some styrofoam packing peanuts. It's, it's not really exciting. Salt makes a big difference. This flavor, this curing, this fertilizing, this, this hospitality, this cleansing, you could spend days or weeks and write a long book on how salt is impactful for us as Christians because Jesus looks at you this morning and says, if you believe in me, if you're following me, if you're sitting under my teaching, if you want to go where I'm going, if you are bought in to the idea that I am the Son of God and you want to go along with my ways, then I'm looking at you this morning and I'm saying you are the salt of the earth. Let's unpack saltiness a little bit and talk about what Jesus wants from us as we live as salt. Number one, salt is designed to make an impact. Salt is designed to make an impact. So I want us to understand a couple of things. On the earth, in the days that you live, as a follower of Jesus, you are designed by God to use these days to make an impact, to have influence. You have value. You have influence. Notice Jesus says in Matthew 5.13, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, it's not good for anything, meaning there was value beforehand. So the the, the understanding for us is is that if you're a Christian you are salt and that's a big deal to God I don't know how many decades you got left on walking the earth but God wants you to use them to make an impact God wants you as the salt of the earth as a Christ follower to carry that into the world and bring all of the properties of salt with you to have impact and influence you have value how you spend your days on earth is absolutely valuable to God. It matters. And I mentioned this briefly when I was reading the text, but be reminded, you are salt. You don't have to become salt. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are salt right now. We'll talk about this a little bit more when we understand here under this idea that you not only have value, but you have purpose. Jesus wants each of us to be an influence on the people we encounter. I'm talking about the people you see every day, but then the people you meet once and never meet them again, or the people you only see as an acquaintance, uh, somebody you kind of run into at the mailbox, or somebody who helps you with your groceries, or somebody that you see from time to time at the school or at the office, and these kind of places. Every person that we should encounter, we are to be fully salty in our encounters with them. We are to bring 
our Christian influence into those settings. Every team that you're on, every class that you're in, every classmate that's around you, every professor or teacher that gets exposed to you, every neighbor, every coworker, every person who serves you at a restaurant, every person who takes care of your needs in every other way, all of these people are to experience the saltiness of a Christian when they meet you. Jesus is looking at you and going, you're the salt of the earth. You have value and you have purpose. He wants us to use our influence on the people that we encounter. Because friends, this is big. You and I, every single day, are an expression of the kingdom of God on this earth. We are expressions of the kingdom of God come to the earth. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Anybody in the room got a past? Let me see your hand if you have a past. Okay, okay the rest of you aren't really awake or you're not telling the truth. Every one of us has a past. In the Bible, we love to quote the things that go into these amazing songs. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was a really bad enthusiastic sinner. I was good at it. Still pretty good at it. Anybody else? I was selfish and self-centered and in the grip of my own flesh, I was all about me. And then I met Jesus and he changed my life. He changed my eternity. He changed my guilt He changed my priorities. He set me free from the gift of sin. He brought me out of isolation and aloneness and brought me into the family of God. He made me clean when I was filthy. He absolutely changed my life. Because of Jesus, there's a before and after story to my life. Because of Jesus, there's a before and after story to your life. And every day you walk around on this earth, and every place you go, you are walking that story out. And some days we put it on display in a really good way, and some days... We kind of wish we could have that day or that moment or that encounter back. Anybody else with me on that? But as we go into the earth, somebody gets to see what God can do with a human heart. Because I'm looking in this room right now and I'm looking at some amazingly generous people. I'm looking at some folks who are no longer selfish they're generous. I'm looking at some people who aren't just in it for themselves, but they're willing to serve, particularly in the life of our young church. You're showing up early, and you're staying late, and you're scrubbing toilets, and you're setting up chairs, and you're cleaning the floors. You're doing all kinds of things. Jesus changed your heart. That's the only thing to explain why you would be involved in this. You and I are an expression of what God can do with a person Some of you, your past is even more rugged than others. And we don't have to get into the details of that. I'll let you fill in the gaps for that. But you are now a walking story, a walking example that even people who walk in this kind of sin can have their lives changed and be fully forgiven and made fully clean by Jesus. Is that exciting to anybody? Hallelujah. Nobody is so far gone that they are beyond the reach of the grace of God. 
And none of us in this room are any better than anybody else because none of us have all of our stuff together and all of us have a past. And as you go to the bank, as you go to the restaurant, as you go to the school, as you play on the team, as you're in the office, you are a living, breathing expression of the kingdom of God come to the earth. Changed hearts, changed lives, changed priorities, changed destiny for all eternity. You have a purpose to be this kind of salt for influence and impact everywhere you go. You are an envoy, an ambassador, a representative of the kingdom of God everywhere you go. And you may be thinking, well, I don't want to be. Some days I want to clock out from being a Jesus follower. Then you're not understanding the Bible and what discipleship is. Following Jesus is not a part-time set of activities. It is a full-time relationship. I'm not religious. I have a relationship with Jesus. And it coats and colors and influences everything I do and everything I say. And there are days when I do not behave or demonstrate that Jesus is the love of my life. And in those moments, I have the opportunity to say, today I have not been a good representative of the kingdom. I have not been a good witness. I have not been the influence and impact that God wants me to be. I forgot today that Jesus looked me in the eye and said, you got some air in your lungs today? Great. You got a few hours to use today? Great. Go be salty. You're the salt. And the earth needs the salt. The earth needs the salt. So how should we have influence and make impact as the salt of the earth? Let me give you four things. First of all, we should give grace instead of judgment. We should give grace instead of judgment. One of the biggest expressions of a changed heart is when you choose not to take revenge and you offer grace and mercy instead. Jesus is in that. That is the salt of the earth as a believer in Christ. Grace instead of judgment. And by the way, people who choose to sin against God, people who choose to ignore what God wants and what God says and the paths that God says to follow, those people don't need to get right with us. They need to get right with God. So we need to stop acting like they need to get right with us. Their issue isn't with us. Their issue is with God. And so let's be a living example of the grace that awaits them if they will turn to God. And let's not forget we have a past. And let's not forget that even if we are saved and we're following Jesus, we still sin often and enthusiastically. And the thing we don't often like to say out loud is that we choose to sin. So let's Carry grace into every encounter. Carry grace into every new friendship we make, every relationship we make. Not judgment, not a set of rules, not a sales pitch that we're trying to get people to buy, but let's just be the grace of God in the flesh.
This is how you are salt. Classes, teens, work, neighborhood, family, all those realms. Number two, joy instead of despair. I love this. When salt shows up in the right quantity, it makes something taste really good, right? And when a Christian shows up as the salt of the earth into people's situations and cultures, when they're just like the world's falling apart and everything's awful and the systems are broken and nothing's good going to happen and it's not going to work out and I've been burnt before and I'll be burnt again. When a Christian steps into that and says, listen, the circumstances around me do not determine the posture of my heart. Joy is the posture of my heart, and it is set by the Spirit of God who is alive in me. I'm going to carry joy in here. Joy isn't a fake smile. It isn't a fake happiness. Joy is a smile on the inside because you know God is still on his throne, and he's not worried one little bit. Joy is a smile on the inside. It is contentment in the middle of a storm. It is peace when a raging onslaught of conflict and negativity and pessimism and backbiting and division is all around you. Joy is salt to a bland world. You take joy into a set of circumstances and people go, what's that all about? Joy instead of despair. One of my hopes for us as a church is that we would have the privilege of going to people in our city who are in despair because of what was done to them. People who are in despair because they've been watching the news. People, which, which, by the way, this is just for free. I recommend you don't. I don't. I hope we will have the privilege to carry joy and to show the people through Jesus there is another life to live. And it's not fake. It's not pretending everything's okay when it's not. It's meeting Jesus and letting him change the heart. How do you, how do you have your heart changed by Jesus? This cross we have over here is a big deal for us because it's the symbol of our way to God. It's a picture of God's love for us. And it's this thing that we never want to be far from because it was on the cross that God demonstrated his love for us. See, all of us have sinned against God and we've betrayed him and rebelled against him and we were helpless to find a way to be forgiven or to be with God. And he, in his mercy and in his kindness, when we never deserved it, he gave his son Jesus and he came and lived a sinless life and then God used this cross and a cross was a, a Roman method of execution. But God turned it on his head and he made it not a method of execution but an altar of beautiful sacrifice. And Jesus stretched out his hands and he gave himself as a payment for the guilt of your rebellion and my rebellion. Jesus died for your sins and mine. He was the sacrificial lamb. As a matter of fact, the very last sacrifice for sins there ever would be. Because when Jesus died, he didn't just pay for some of it, he paid for all of it. Amen? Jesus died and then three days later, God flexed his muscles and raised Christ from the dead to show us that death doesn't win and sin doesn't win. 
And now God has come to us and said, if you will believe in Jesus, that he really is the son of God, if you'll believe in Jesus, that what he did on the cross and sacrificing himself really did pay for sins, and if you'll become a Jesus follower, I want to go where he's going. I want to walk in the ways he's telling me to walk then you will be forgiven of all your sins, no matter what your past is. You'll be made clean on the inside. You'll become part of the family of God. You'll be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Christ. And you will have the promise of heaven for all eternity. And you will be released from the grip of sin here on the earth. And you will be a part of his family in the church. That's how you become a Christian, and that's how you have your heart changed. And until you have your heart changed, there is no hope. People can medicate and numb themselves and distract themselves and watch season after season after season after season to not think about the despair in their lives, but nothing will change in their hearts until they find Jesus. Friends, this is the mission of our church. We are a people of hope. Not in us, but in what he's done. And we have hope that every life can be changed. Amen? We believe that. Jesus is calling us to be salty, to take grace instead of judgment, joy instead of despair. Number three, truth instead of shame. I love this. People have a sense of identity about who they are and that they have started to believe that I am what I have chosen to do. I am the sum of my failures. I am the big stack of regrets I have in my life. And usually when they define themselves, it's I am not enough, I am worthless, I am not valuable, I am not lovable, I am not worthy, I am not good for anything. And you and I know the truth, which is every single person was made by God and loved by God. Amen? And they need to know that their value isn't found in a job. Their value isn't found in their waist size. Their value isn't found in their number of followers. Their value isn't found in their salary or the size of their home or their notoriety or anything else. True value comes when you come to know Jesus and God who made you helps you see that you are a child of the King of Kings. And you and I have the opportunity as salt in a world that's swimming in shame and discouragement and depression that's not related to chemical or struggles with the, that are biological, but, but de- depression and discouragement because someone has lied to them and said they don't count, they don't matter. We want to bring the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that says because of Jesus, they can have a new identity as a son or a daughter of God. Lastly, we have influence in the earth by bringing hope instead of fear. Hope instead of fear. One of the things that um, is common for people 
is to fear their own death. And it, it makes sense because for a lot of people, if you haven't read the Bible, there's some unknown about what's on the other side. And the thing that we have as Christians is that we have a hope that says, because Jesus died for my sins and because I've believed in Jesus, I have no fear to stand before God one day. Because I'm not banking on my own good track record. I'm banking not on my work, but his. And what awaits me on the other side of death is not a knee-quaking, knee-shaking, fearful, fingers-crossed, hope I get into heaven. What awaits me on the other side of death is a party where I am reunited with the loved ones who've gone on before and where I get to stand in the presence of the king and where I get to see him as he is. And I get to be whole inside and out forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And that's our hope. That's why Christians grieve differently than other people when we experience loss. We miss them. We, 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 we really, really, really will not enjoy the separation. But our hope is, is that those who are in Christ who've died, we will be with them again. Amen? That is hope. That is our hope. So we bring that kind of fear into the world. Fear, will I have enough resources fear do i have enough relationships fear do i have enough of what it takes fear do i have everything i need fear am i gonna be okay fear when we can bring the hope of jesus to a sick person and say to them do you know what what my jesus can do i'm not telling you he will do but let me tell you what he can do he can heal any disease hello Jesus is still healing people. Let's not lose that. Let's bring that hope and that fear. Well, I think the marriage is over. I think it's going to fall apart. I think it's time to go see the lawyers. L let me tell you what my Jesus can do. He can change a heart and another heart in a relationship, and he can create a tremendous story of renewal and strength and joy in marriage. Don't lose hope. This is what it is to be salty, to have impact on the people we get around, even if it's just for five minutes. How can I impact them? How can I have influence on them? How can I represent the kingdom of God? How can I be an expression of the kingdom of God on earth? I want to bring grace instead of judgment. I want to show joy instead of shame. I want to bring truth to those shameful moments and joy instead of despair and hope instead of fear. I want to be salty every day I live. Salt is designed by God to make an impact. Number two, second big piece of this, is that salt that isn't salty is a waste. Those are my words, those are Jesus' words. 
Salt that isn't salty is a waste. And I was reading a book about this this week, and, and somebody said, you know, you wouldn't think salt would go bad, but even the, the salt containers like this you get at the grocery store and some of the big-name brands will tell you, you know, after five years or so, you should probably throw it out. Um, there are people who do salt mining, and I was reading in this book about it, that that like, yeah, different factors can get into the salt, and it can lose all of its potency. It can become diluted. And some of you who do some cooking or you've mixed some things in a, in a glass before, you know that, that if something's really salty, you add a little water to make it less salty. And Jesus says, again, looking us in the eye, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, if it becomes less potent, less impactful, less influential, then it is losing its value and purpose. What is it good for? It's not good for anything other than being thrown under the roads or trampled underfoot. What that's referring to, that in these days, in the ancient Near East, um, it was common practice that if the salt was bad or the salt had lost its potency, that they would spread it out on roads to just help break up some of the debris that was there and smother some of the weeds so they wouldn't grow up on the road. It was just to be trampled underfoot. It was, it was good for that, but not much more. How do Christians lose their influence and impact? How do Christians lose their saltiness? Let me give you three ways. Number one, from compromise. Compromise. This is hypocrisy. This is when you agree to act or speak or think in a way that is contrary to what Jesus wants for your life. Compromise is when you choose to act or think or speak in a way that is contrary to what Jesus wants for your life. This is when you disqualify yourself. Hypocrisy. When the world sees Christians behaving in unchristlike ways, those Christians have lost their influence with the world. They are they're not salty for the kingdom. They, they've lost their impact. They've disqualified themselves. So be on your guard, dear ones, on your team. In your office, in your home, at your school, be on your guard that you are not choosing to stand in compromise in certain ways where you are willingly acting, thinking, speaking in unchristlike ways because the world is watching to see an expression of the kingdom of God and what they're seeing is an expression of the world reflected back to them through you. And there's no hope in the world. There's no hope in the culture. There's only hope in Jesus. So be on your guard that you do not lose your saltiness as an expression, a representative of the kingdom of God. Compromise. Hypocrisy. Number two, the second way that Christians lose their saltiness is through worldliness. Just worldliness. Where 
looking at your life, looking at your habits, looking at what crosses your feed, looking at your screen time, looking at your language that you use, there is nothing different about you as a Jesus follower and the people around you who aren't Jesus followers. We just talked about blessed are you when people persecute you for being righteous, when people say all things about you because of me. So get ready for that. And then right after, Jesus is saying, you're the salt, stay salty. Don't back down. Don't dilute. And you may think that you're trying to be relatable and current by trying to use some of the same language they use, but that's worldliness. You're not showing yourself as a changed, distinct man or woman. And I'm not going to give you a list of the okay words and a list of the bad words. Here's the call. Be godly. Now sort it out. Welcome to grown-up discipleship. We are not list keepers. We're in a relationship with Jesus. Would someone look at your life and see godliness or worldliness? And it could be that some of us are struggling because we have two or three personas we're expressing. When you're at home and when you're at church, you're a different person than when you're at practice with the team. When you're at home, when you're at church, you're a different person than you are at work. And your language and your thinking and your choices. When you're at school or at church, or at work, you're walking in some godliness. But when you're at home in your entertainment time, there's some worldliness. Be salty. Because there's value and purpose in your saltiness. And when you're unsalty, when you lose your saltiness, you're not living up to your value. You're not living up to the purpose that God has for you for all of these days that you live compromise, worldliness. And then here's the third one. The third way that we lose our influence and impact is we stay in the salt shaker. Welcome to People of Hope Church. Churches can be thought of as salt shakers. A lot of Christians here. A lot of salt in the room. But the people who need the salt are out there. Hello? Hello? And the popcorn is really awesome when there's salt on it. But the salt's got to get out of the shaker <laughs> onto the popcorn. Those two things have to meet. And I would ask you today, are your only friendships with people who are Christians? If that's true, then change that. Add some non-believers to your friendship circle. Don't compromise. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be worldly. But bring the saltiness of the kingdom of God into those relationships because those are the people who need to taste and experience the impact and the influence and see the difference of what Jesus can do in a life. You and I have an opportunity to go out of this place on Sundays 
and into the world and the people you have a five-minute conversation with or the people you've known for five decades or the people you've worked next to for five years, they need to have you engaged as being salt sprinkled on to their life. I want to bring some Jesus to my team. I want to bring some Jesus to my office. I want to bring some Jesus to my relationships. I want anybody who bumps into me this week to experience grace and joy and truth and hope. And if I get the opportunity, I'm going to say, you know, the reason for my joy, the reason for my hope, the reason for the truth, the reason is because of Jesus. We got to get out of the salt shaker. And I have to tell you, I, I want to lead the pack with you. I want, I want to be out there with you in that. And it's tough for me. Uh, my job is one where I'm pretty much around Christians all the time. It's a challenge. It's an occupational hazard. So I'm working on it. I'm working on it with you. So for the last couple of weeks, I've been uh, taking a couple of days, and I'm officing at a co-working office place in downtown Murfreesboro this week. This is my own expense because that's important to me. I'm paying for it. It's not a lot. It's not a big deal. I am I, choosing to step out and find a way that I can be in an office with other people doing startups and other business people and entrepreneurs in our city, and I need to meet some people who don't know Jesus. And I'm taking some steps to do that. And I'm trying to get out in front and say, listen, it's hard for me. I know, I know, I know. So I'm taking some steps. I'm putting some dollars toward it. I'm giving some time to it. And I'm getting involved in a place where I can just have some coffee with some people who don't go to church. And talk about life. And the wrong kind of saltiness in that moment would be to show up with some loud Jesus music playing and bright big Jesus t-shirt. I don't even know what that would be. Let's not even go there. But just kind of, you know, a big 40-pound family Bible spread out on the co-working table among everybody. And gather around, everybody. Let me talk to, you about, talk to you about the state of your souls. Hanging out, drinking a Pepsi Zero, drinking a cup of coffee, talking to some people about their life, their kids, their jobs. Just being salt. And it's work. And it's time. And it's effort. But listen, I'm challenging you. Some of you right now, if you're really honest, the only people you ever have talked, com meaningful conversations with are Christians. The only people that you're around are Christians. Stretch your relationship circle and get the salt out of the shaker. Amen? It's hard. It's messy. But Jesus was with non-believing people all the time. You're like, yeah, but that's Jesus. He's in you. Hello? And the goal here is not perfection because you and I will never be perfect. But if your heart is aimed, saying, I don't want to keep this truth to myself. I don't want to keep this joy to myself. I don't want to keep the good news of the kingdom to myself. But the world out there doesn't just need to make their life in Murfreesboro a little bit better. They need their eternity changed. So I want to get out of the salt shaker. Some of us have been in the salt shaker a long, long time. And we haven't gotten out. And it's affecting our saltiness. 
And it could be that you're really, really salty, but the people that need it aren't ever coming into contact with it. What can you do 20 minutes a week, a couple of hours a month, what can you step into that would help you to get out of the salt shaker to be good influence? Salt is designed to make an impact. Salt that isn't salty is waste. And Jesus is looking at you and at me this morning and saying, you're the salt. Stay salty because it's a big deal. Salt makes things taste delicious. Can I get an amen? Some of you are already thinking about lunch and something good and salty right now. Some of you have bags of salty snacks in your pantry. Salt makes things delicious. Anybody else like an ice cream with a little salted caramel going right there? You know, salt makes things delicious. I want you to have that framework that the The pastor hasn't given you a job to do this week, but the pastor has invited you into the joy of going to help make somebody's Tuesday delicious because they met you. Make somebody's Tuesday different because they ran into a hope-filled, joy-filled, truth-filled believer in Christ. Salt doesn't just make things delicious. Salt makes people thirsty. That salty snack is going to get you smacking your lips at some point going, I need something to drink. Salt makes you thirsty. Go this week to every office, to every classroom, to every setting, to every party, to every gathering, to every part of your neighborhood, to every part of your family that you just find yourself in. I'm not saying go to every house in your neighborhood this week. Unless the Lord calls you to that, then go for it. But wherever you find yourself this week, represent the kingdom of God and put a flawed but saved by grace, life on display. And let's make people thirsty for the living water. Let's make people thirsty in their souls. What, 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 something's different about you. What, mm. Let's make that our week. You may not want to be, but if you're a follower of Jesus, you are the salt of the earth. Let's pray. I want to facilitate just a moment between you and God right here as you sit. Just a moment between you and God. What's God been saying to your heart this morning? I'm just going to be quiet for a few seconds. I want you to talk to him, respond to him.
Maybe as we've talked about being salt, God brought a face or a name to mind of somebody you're around often already. You already got somebody in your circle. Pray for them by name. Make some plans just to carry some hope, some joy, some grace to them. Maybe God's been speaking to your heart this morning that there's too much hypocrisy, too much worldliness, too much compromise, or too much isolation. And your saltiness has been diluted. Would you turn from that? Don't make unrealistic promises. Start with today. Or today, I want to be salt. I thank you for Jesus who has forgiven all of my inconsistencies. Thank you for Jesus and through him, all of my compromises and hypocrisies have been forgiven. I'm sorry, God, for those choices. I'm sorry, God, for those words. And today, making a change. Today, God, I'm going to take some steps to get out of the salt shaker. Use me, Lord, to make impact on the people I meet. Use me, Lord, to be an influence on the people who need you. May you be glorified this week through every conversation and every encounter. In Jesus' name.